reasonably confident that if I went down to the Highlight Factory where our savvy Sportsnet broadcast associates put together the uh, highlights we get on YouTube and of all these ball games, where Tim McAuliffe does Tim and Friends, where Ken and Ivanka do Sportsnet Central, I'm pretty sure if I went down there right now, at just a little past 1 a.m. Eastern on a Monday night, there will be more people down there right now than there were at Kauffman Stadium at the end of this ball game. I swear, you could hear literally everything that anyone said at any point in this ball game. You know, I there was there was a point in this game towards the beginning where it felt like there was still some life in the stadium, and maybe it was when it was still zero zero, but. At the same time, boy, that uh, that place thinned out in a hurry. It was actually, it was never really all that busy, I guess, even before the rain. But boy, yeah, that place, the rain didn't help, I'm sure. And then, of course, a 8 uh, nothing Blue Jays thumping of the Royals probably uh, does not help either. Uh, welcome to Stock on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali with you for a good time, not a long time. A two-hour rain delay, like I says, uh, does sometimes put a crimp in our plans, uh, Blair and Barker will be back for game two and game three of this uh, three game set against the Royals. But I'm here to break it down here after an eight nothing Blue Jays route of the Kansas City Royals in game one of two. Uh, let's start with Ross Stripling tonight. I, I got to say he he was he was incredible. I mean, five innings of one hit ball, no walks. He only threw 56 pitches, 39 of them strikes. Uh, by comparison, the last time we saw him in a ball game, he threw 38 pitches total. So it makes sense that he wasn't going to be out there very long today. We knew that heading in from the pregame chat that Arash had with Charlie Montoyo. He wasn't fully stretched out for his first start in over a month, but it was a terrific outing from Ross Stripling. And I guess we knew coming into this ball game as well that uh, Stripling was going to take Yenjin Ryu's spot in the starting rotation when he went down to the IL with the left forearm tightness for the second straight time this season. We knew that was going to happen. That wasn't a shock. That wasn't a surprise by any means. And uh, it's just, I think the question going into tonight's game was simply how long was Stripling going to go? I got the feeling that they only thought he was going to go four innings, but because he was so efficient with the pitches, I mean, I think the top of the first inning, he threw four pitches. So, it, you know, when, when that happens, you can probably adjust your game plan by too much. But, you know, I'd seen some some uh, some complaints, perhaps. And again, I've, we've seen these kind of throughout the season that maybe Charlie Montoyo doesn't let the pitchers go as long as he should. I think there's, maybe there's some validity to that. But at the same time, with a guy like Ross Stripling, who wasn't stretched out, I don't know if you want to be messing about too, too much. And then at that point in the game, the Blue Jays had enjoyed a multi-run lead and... After that, we saw Julian Merriweather, we saw Trent Thornton, and of course, we saw Matt Gage. And what a what a great story, by the way, for Matt Gage at the end of this ball game, striking out the last two batters to uh, end the ball game in front of his friends and family. That's a that that's pretty cool. I see a text here on the text line, which definitely agrees. John in Saskatchewan just saying, how sweet of that is, is that first game for Matt Gage? Awesome, absolutely, one hundred percent agreed. I, I gotta say, I'm a bit of a sucker for the uh, what do we want to call them? Like the kind of feel good stories. In Major League Baseball, I, I love that kind of stuff. And, hey, I mean, you look at some of the, the journey that Matt Gage went on from college to the minors. This is from the Blue Jays' Twitter account. Uh, to indie ball, to Mexico, to the major leagues. And that's that's really impressive. So, again, kudos to Matt Gage. And that's that'll be a moment he remembers probably for the rest of his life. Um, but, again, the, the overall, 
It's it's funny. Whenever the Blue Jays win or lose by a lot, I always feel like it's kind of like a low event post game show because all 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 you are going to talk about is well they lose by a lot. You kind of flush the result down the toilet. Sometimes it's not your day, and when they win by a lot, you can kind of pick it from pick and choose wherever you want to go. Again, Ross Stripling, definitely my... If we were giving stars tonight, he'd probably be my first star. I got to say, I think I genuinely like Ross Stripling more as a starter than I do as a reliever. It's it's important. Like It's really important, I would say, that the Blue Jays have versatile guys like Stripling. And I'm not going to quibble when they use him in different ways, right? But his value to this ball club, again, with Ryu suffering the second trip to the IL, this year alone has uh, really shone through as a starter, right? I mean, yes, he was for sure great when he got the save in Anaheim with the bases loaded, when he got, uh, I guess it was Andrew Velasquez to bounce out. But Stripling's ability to give the Blue Jays quality innings of work whenever he's out there shows he's very important to this rotation. And again, his final line, he went five innings pitch. He allowed one hit, zero earned runs, zero walks, and two strikeouts. Again, he threw 56 pitches, 39 of them strikes, which is uh, which is very impressive. Again, you can text me at 590-590, name and location. We'll get to a few more texts before we make way at the end of this postgame show. Uh, I do want to get to some of these other, some of the other events, I guess, we saw over the course of this ball game, including some of the, some of the, I guess, the, the ripple effects from what we saw in the batting order, especially with Santiago Espinal. Espinal was batting sixth today, and I, I got to say, I think that's a fantastic spot for him. I've said before that I'm not the biggest fan of seeing Espinal bat in the top four. And again, I don't think you're, we're going to see that too, too much anyways. You know, we know Charlie Montoyo has, has shown in the past a willingness to throw things at the wall and see what sticks. And if it doesn't work, he'll change it. And again, we saw Espinal bat lead off. And that was because George Springer wasn't in the lineup a couple. I guess it was last week. And then he, bat, he spent some time batting second, and everyone else kind of got bumped down a spot. Bo batting, or Vladdy batting third, Bo batting cleanup, and Teoscar batting fifth, and so on. But today, we saw the regular top four in the order. We saw the Springer, Bo, Vladdy, Teoscar, one, two, three, four. We saw Alejandro Kirk batting fifth, and Santiago Espinal batting sixth. And I have to say, I think that, again, that five, six, seven range is probably the perfect range for Espinal. Now, again, it, it depends on who's on the mound and what the matchups are and the righty lefty splits and all those kinds of things. I, I, we'll t- we, we talk about those on every pregame show and every postgame show basically for the rest of time. And, and of course I, I'm, I'm the kind of person who I think is slowly over time is beginning to feel like batting order is the, it's not quite the uh, be all end all when it comes to discussing the production of things. It's, you know, you talk about if, if someone like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. wants to be wants to bat second instead of third or wants to bat fourth instead of third or what have you, then I don't know. It's, I don't think the, the difference is negligible enough. But at the same time, having your top four batters be Springer, Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Teoscar Hernandez, and then you add in what we've seen from Alejandro Kirk and Santiago Espinal this year, I think that's a that's a great spot for both of them. Um, on Alejandro Kirk as well. Again, Kirk didn't. Uh, he was he was this close from a three run bomb. Um, he, the swing, the sound of the bat. The, I swear, I thought that was gone, but it was just just foul for Kirk in the DH spot today. Now Kirk, he had four ABs. He had one hit, one run. He walked as well. He had one strikeout. He's left on base twice. Uh, Kirk, I gotta say. We've talked a lot about what Kirk's value is on this team, and I think that one of the things we forget is is that he's 23 years old, right? I think I actually think he's only a year 
older than Gabby Moreno, which is pretty crazy, right? He, like they're they're relatively close in age, and it's it's crazy to think that we is, we we may have not seen the best production from Alejandro Kirk over the course of his career, which is why whenever we have the trade player X conversation, it always kind of strikes me as a little odd, I suppose. But I mean, coming into tonight's game, he was the only catcher in Major League Baseball with a, with a, who had had over 100 at-bats who had more walks than strikeouts. Like, regardless if that was a catcher or not, that is incredibly impressive. Alejandro Kirk is, is very impressive. And again, even though the numbers don't pop off of the page for this particular game, I still think that Alejandro Kirk is one of those guys that, again, is, uh, is so, so talented. And his import to this ball club probably is... It's crazy to think that it could be understated considering that he's been very good over the last, I mean, certainly over the whole season, but doubly so over the last couple of weeks. The other half of that too is we saw today in the lineup uh, both Kirk, Kirk batting fifth, DHing, Danny Jansen catching batting ninth. And again, I, I, I want to see as much as possible of both Kirk and Jansen in the lineup together whenever we can, because it's maximizing the offensive opportunities for two of the better hitters, the hotter hitters on the team. And I got to say, I, I think my, my heart stopped for a brief second when, uh, when Danny Jansen got hit on the, I guess it was his left hand and the ball came right in. And the Sportsnet TV cameras showed us came right in on like those little bones on your right. That kind of lead in from your finger to your wrist. And like, like Ben Wagner was saying on the broadcast, you're there are, I feel like hundreds of tiny little bones in your wrist that can be displaced. I mean, I, I think I, I damaged my wrist in the off season when I was lifting a couch. So I can only imagine what, uh, what Danny Jansen felt like after kicking a 97 mile an hour ball onto this, onto the little bones of his left wrist. So I, Hey, I hope he's okay. I, it, it would seem to me that it's positive that he then that was in the top of the eighth inning. It would seem to me that it's positive that he came in in the bottom of the, the eighth inning right after that. And caught for the rest of the ball game. So I would, I would think he's probably fine, but generally speaking, I want to see Danny Jansen and Alejandro Kirk in the lineup together as much as humanly possible. If Kirk is DHing or Kirk is catching and, or vice versa for, for Jansen, they just both need to be in there. I see a text from uh, Ray and Aurora. <laughs> Ray, you make me laugh, man. Nice to see Charlie field. The best players available. Wow. Two games in a row. Uh, Ray is Ray is often texted in to say, Hey, like, why doesn't Charlie, why have to resort to pushing the right buttons when you pinch hit a guy at the end of the game? And how many times did we talk about when Kirk came in a couple of games ago and he pinch hit in like the seventh inning immediately got a single, got on base and it did lead to one of the wins in that eight game winning streak. I've seen Ray, I've seen your texts and uh, I totally get it. I think you, everyone wants to see what is viewed as the most optimal lineup. I get what Charlie does when he's trying to, you know what I mean? Like when he's trying to go out there and, and kind of play a little bit of a chess match, chess match, pardon me. But at the same time, it does kind of feel like you, you run the risk of outsmarting yourself sometimes. Having said that, that, that was not the case tonight. An eight, nothing win. And you see basically everyone managed to show up in some fashion, some way, shape or form. Then, yeah, I think uh, you can't can't complain too, too much. Um, we're going to quickly step aside. When we come back, we'll get to the uh, Bet365 standings update. We'll get to more of your texts on the 590-590 text line name and location. And we'll finish wrapping up this 8 nothing Blue Jays win over the Royals before looking ahead to Game 2 and Game 3 later on this week. But you're listening to Jays Talk, the Blue Jays postgame show here on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
Action in the Royal Bullpen begins. As Santiago Espinal jolts one out to deep left field, back at the wall, it is gone! Santiago Espinal delivers a two-run home run. The third long ball tonight for the Toronto Blue Jays. Espinal with a two-run home run, his fifth of the season, and the Blue Jays have opened up a 6-0 lead in KC. I honestly wonder how many people out there had, like, if you had the over-under, I, and I mean, I'm not the I'm not the biggest, uh, the most prolific gambler out there, but if you had the over-under on Santiago Espinal total home runs this season, I wonder what the line would have been set at, and I wonder if we have already surpassed it. Honestly, five home runs on the season. I don't know what that puts him on pace for because I'm terrible at math, I'll be completely honest, especially at 1.30 a.m. Eastern <laughs> in the morning, but I uh, gotta say Santiago Espinal is uh, one of my favorite storylines this season. And uh, he was one of my favorite storylines last year. I joke a lot that last year, if, if people always like to say who is the kind of gritty favorite of, uh, of Blue Jays fans, right? And I feel like last year it was Santiago Espinal because like, you're not picking the star players. Last year it was Espinal. I dare say this year it is also Espinal, which is pretty remarkable. But again, he has been absolutely phenomenal all season as a de facto second baseman. He hits a two-run shot there, as you heard, and the Blue Jays do defeat the Royals. 8 nothing. the final in game one after a very lengthy rain delay uh, but of course we did get it done across the Sportsnet radio network you're listening to Jay's talk I'm show Ali with you for a couple more minutes um, let's get to before we get back to the text line and I do want to continue discussing Santiago Espinal because I think what he's been doing is very fun and it's, it's very impressive I see a text about Nate Pearson that we had kind of Keith sending it in again from earlier on and uh, I, I do want to do the bet 365 standings update with bet 365 you can watch thousands of live games build your own bet and you can even make a bet while the game's still being played 19 plus play responsibly ontario only um if you look at the uh, mlb standings in the al east and it's funny because there weren't that many games tonight there were i think there were only six games scheduled total one game between the rangers and guardians got postponed before that one even got started the diamondbacks and reds got uh, just rained out after seven innings, so they just called it a final after seven since he wins that one seven nothing. So really, there are only four ball games that went from beginning to end tonight, and uh, two of those games involved teams in the AL East. Of course, our game, the uh, eight nothing Blue Jays win, and the Boston Red Sox with a complete game shutout over the Los Angeles Angels. Michael Waka, who whenever I hear his last name, I always think of the Muppets. You know, like the Waka Waka Waka. That's what. <laughs> That's what I always think of when I think of uh, Michael Walker. But he had 105 pitches with a com- complete game shutout. Boston wins one nothing over the Los Angeles Angels, who have now lost 12 in a row. And uh, after those two games tonight with the Jays and the Red Sox, this is how the AL East shakes out. The Yankees are at 39 and 15. The Toronto Blue Jays 32 and 22. The uh, Tampa Bay Rays 31 and 23. Boston Red Sox, 28-27. So they're actually back above 500 now. 509 is their winning percentage. And the Baltimore Orioles, 23-33 and with uh, 17 games back of the Yankees. I believe 10 games back of the Toronto Blue Jays. So now the Blue Jays in second place in the division. They're a game up on the Rays who were idle tonight. They didn't play tonight. The Orioles didn't play tonight. The Yankees did not play tonight. So we'll have to see if that holds. But... Hey, I mean, after a, I, I've talked about this a little bit before on different versions of Jay's talk, but it's kind of it's kind of I don't know if funny is the right word, but it's kind of kind of like 
funny in the kind of sad laughing way, I suppose, is a better way of saying that the Blue Jays had an eight-game winning streak and nine out of ten after they lost the first game to the Twins then won with Barrios on the mound on Saturday. It is kind of unfortunate that they basically had an all these all these terrific offensive performances, pitching performances, et cetera, and they doesn't feel like a lot of ground was made up on the Yankees. Now, having said that, I do think it's, what, it's now June 7th here on the East Coast. There's still a lot of baseball left to be played between now and the, uh, the end of the regular season. Heck, there's a lot of baseball to be played between now and the All-Star break, which is July 18th, right? So I think... We've gotten some texts and tweets over the course of the game and so, you know, before the game started during the rain delay and so on about whether or not it's too late to to really consider the Blue Jays as contenders for the AL East. And I get I get why people would ask that, because at 39 wins, the New York Yankees have looked ridiculously good. Right. There's no there's no ifs, ands or buts about that. Right. The New York Yankees have looked like the best team if not baseball, the best team certainly in in the American League. And uh, people in New York, by the way, must be loving it because the Mets also won tonight. I think they won 11-5 to over the Padres, who are no slouches themselves, in San Diego. So the Mets are now 38-19, and and the Yankees are 39-15. and I don't know if I don't know if we're going to get a, a subway series for the World Series, but at the same time, uh, the good stuff going on in New York right now. But the Yankees are still not immortal. They're not an invincible team. They've been getting some timely pitching from basically all of their starters, Severino, Cole, Cortez, et cetera, right? Tyone especially as well. But I don't know. I, I think it's too early to have the doom and gloom about the Yankees and the wild card and so on. The Blue Jays are going to make the playoffs, especially with an expanded field. But, hey, I think, I mean, I think I'll take my chances with the Blue Jays over the Rays or I don't know if they end up going to the Twins, let's say, or the uh, the Astros or the Angels or whatever it ends up being. I think I'll, I'll take the Blue Jays' chances. But again, you're listening to Jays Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm Show. I'm here for a couple more minutes or so. So why don't we get back to the text line? And we heard the uh, Espinal uh, hit, the Espinal home run from Ben Wagner as we came back from commercial. And I see Charlie and Timmons and John from Hamilton both want to talk about him. And they basically just, John saying, can we talk about Espinal and the season he's been putting together? Wow. And Charlie and Timmons saying, I guess that extra muscle is coming in handy. I think there was maybe extra pressure batting second. And then he said, thanks for reading my mind because I was talking about it a little earlier. But again, Espinal has been nothing short of one of the best surprises of this entire season. The swing looks a little more compact, I think. He... He just, he looks like, it's, it, this sounds like such a cliche, but for Espinal, it looks like the sport has kind of slowed down for him. That's what it kind of looks like to me. It kind of looks like things have, it, it, and sometimes that's all it takes for athletes. It clicks for whatever reason. We've heard him speak to Hazel, and he's spoken to Arash, and he's spoken to Ben at a number of different moments throughout this whole season. And and he's one of the, A, one of the most humble players I've personally get, managed to meet um, since I've started working on, on Jay's talk and so on. And I got to say, Espinal is not only is he humble, but I think he's always eager to go out there and learn more from somebody, right? Whether it's the hitting coach, Guillermo Martinez, whether it's Charlie Montoyo, whether it was Dante Bichette when he was still with the organization, or whether it's his teammates, right? Whether it's Matt Chapman or Bo Bichette or Vladimir Guerrero Jr., anyone from a vet from to a fellow young guy like himself, Santiago Espinal has never shown anything but a willingness to go out there and learn, go out there and evolve, go out there and change whatever needs to be changed and kind of stay within himself and and compete and i gotta say you don't you don't see that too much 
from every athlete? Like, I think it's something you want to see from every athlete, but do you always see it from everyone? No, you don't. So I got to say that's pretty cool, uh, pretty cool stuff from from Santiago Espinal. Um, before we go, because we only have a couple minutes left here, I wanted to get back to this uh, this this text that Keith had sent in earlier, and and someone else had kind of sent in another version of this about Nate Pearson. And uh, Keith had said earlier, this is from the, the rain delay. What do you think about giving Nate Pearson a chance at reuse slot? I worked for Manoa last year. Maybe he takes the ball and run. And look, I would, I really want to see Nate Pearson come back up and shove because there are a lot of guys. Now we always talk about kind of like the carrot that's dangled in front of fans. And for a lot of years, it was Vladimir Guerrero jr. Then it was Boba Shad. Then it was kind of Kevin Biggio. Then it was, I feel like Nate Pearson. Then it was Alec Manoa, right? And who is it now? It's kind of Nate Pearson again, but at the same time, I also think that with guys like Sam Robertson and Ricky Tiedemann and Addison Barger all down in the minors, and if you're not familiar with any of those guys, I strongly suggest you go up and look, look some of those guys up, especially Ricky Tiedemann, who is now with the Vancouver Canadians. He's not going to be pitching with the Blue Jays this year. Don't get me wrong. He's, if all goes well for him, he'll be pitching in New Hampshire at some point this season. So I, I, do we even see Tiedemann by next year? I'm not sure. Maybe 2024 is the appropriate uh arrival date let's say but uh i just the only reason i bring up nate pearson is i don't think it's a given that he's going to come up here and take a starter spot anymore maybe it was at some point but with the mono thing and the injuries he has to i think come up here and really prove that he belongs and hey if he comes up here and proves that he belongs i have no problem with what keith says and giving him a chance at being a starter i think that's what the blue jays foresee for uh, for Nate Pearson on the on the whole, I think they see him as a starter. They often say a bulk inning reliever whenever it comes to Pearson, but I don't know. I the he has to prove that he's healthy. He has to prove that the rehab assignments have done him some good, and then he can actually get back on the mound and compete and be effective, of course, because we've seen him come up before and still throw that 100 mile an hour gas and not be 100 percent effective. So if he is, I have no problem giving him a spot, but. I think uh, that we're, we're still a little ways away from that. Hey, I appreciate everyone texting in tonight. Appreciate you staying up late with me. Appreciate you being alongside us for the rain delay. That does it for Jay's talk tonight. Again, appreciate the context contacts. Uh, thanks for listening to blue Jays baseball served up by the always game ready. Jack links meet snacks feature wild side baseball fans. Jay's route. The Royals eight, nothing in game one of three in Kansas city. Blair and Barker are back for Jay's talk for the rest of the week. We'll talk to you then. <laughs>